This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors, as well as the occasional guest, to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. Before we hear that conversation, a quick check-in. Have you subscribed to our show yet? Take a second if you can and make sure so you don't miss any of our great episodes. Thank you. My next guest is Dr. Steve Feldman. He is a professor of dermatology, pathology, and public health sciences at Wake Forest University School of Medicine. Dr. Feldman, thanks for joining me. My pleasure to be here. You're also the host of Medscape's In Discussion series, so I uh, have to be on my toes today. So thank you. But I want to start off with, I had mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you know, the skin's the largest organ. But even with that fact, sometimes people don't take skin conditions seriously. Do you see that in your practice? Well, in practice, the people who come to see me are clearly bothered enough by their disease that they come in. So there's a little bit of selection bias going on in what I see. I think one of the things that may make skin disease seem like it's not as big a deal is that it is so common. I think when people are used to seeing something, they pay it less attention, whereas something that's really out of the ordinary really catches the the human mind. Now, full transparency, as you know, we chatted with Ingrid a little earlier. Ingrid is one of your patients, and she talked about she first noticed her symptoms of psoriasis and early on plaque psoriasis at the age of nine. Is that unusual to be diagnosed that early? I thought that was a condition that usually occurred a little later in life. Yeah, psoriasis can occur at any age, but pediatric psoriasis is less common. The age at which it most commonly occurs would be 18 to 24, somewhere in there. Okay. Now, let's talk about what are the common symptoms, particularly of plaque psoriasis, because as you pointed out, rashes are common. Even rashes that make one feel itchy can occur fairly often. So how might you know that the condition you have is psoriasis? Because Ingrid told us she wasn't really sure what it was, and her mom wasn't even sure what it was. They had never really heard those words. So what kind of are the key points that listeners might want to know to kind of point them to, hey... This might be something that the doctor needs to look at. Yeah, so if you have a rash, you don't know what it is. I'd go see a dermatologist. I think that's the best way to find out with near certainty what the problem is. Common areas of involvement would be the scalp, the elbows and knees, the belly button, that part of the lower back, you know, the technical term I'm talking about, the crack. The lower back. Uh, Yeah, the crack. Uh, would be uh, Mm -hmm. a a common area of involvement. Genital psoriasis is not unusual. You can have little changes in the nails. Uh, When psoriasis gets into the root of the nail, it causes little pits in the surface. And when psoriasis gets under the nail, it causes separations of the nail from the underlying skin. So if I see a rash on the scalp and I'm wondering, is this just seborrhea or is this psoriasis? I'll look at people's fingernails for signs of psoriasis. Now, what about timing? 
Because rashes are common, lots of times people will just wait it out or apply some type of lotion. We do know that psoriasis reoccurs. So people realistically, Dr. Feldman, aren't going to go see a dermatologist at the first time they see a rash. So what's the time element that people have to consider here? I'm not sure. I I think if you had a rash that bothers you and you don't know what it is, I mean, if you were out in a patch of poison ivy and you know you got poison ivy, that's one thing. But if you have a rash and you don't know what it is, it might be time to see at least your family physician who may, um, who may know exactly what it is and what to do. And to be fair, Dr. Feldman, everyone can't go see a dermatologist. There are some areas of the country where it can be very hard to get an appointment in a timely manner. And because We know that rashes come and go. Uh, By the time they get the appointment, they may not have that rash anymore. So it's always a good idea, and I tell this to my patients, to take a picture of that rash that they can then send to their doctor or at least show it to their doctor if the day that they go, they don't particularly have any symptoms. I love that idea, by the way. I just would ask that the picture be a really good quality. You want to get the lighting right. You want to make sure the skin is in focus and that the camera's not focusing on some lines in the furniture in the background. There's some simple things you can do to make sure you get a good photo. Sometimes it's easier to have someone else take it as well. We, We get confused when we're trying to do a selfie when it relates to skin. But let's kind of walk it through because Ingrid had some great comments about the way that she interacted with the medical community. She had great things to say about you, but she didn't see you right away. So let's kind of walk through that journey where we can advise listeners. So realistically, most don't go see a dermatologist. We know that. Most go see their primary care physician. And typically, you know, we see people apply some type of perhaps hydrocortisone cream or some type of, you know, lotion. But that's not usually enough for most people with psoriasis. We'll be back after a quick break. Here is a quick word from our sponsor. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least. Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, Check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast for that real-life on-the-go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. And now, back to our episode. This is is it. No, we use topical steroids, um, but the -the over-the-counter stuff 
especially the hydrocortisone, is not going to be strong enough for, well, again, there could be some selection bias. Mm. If it was strong enough and it worked, I wouldn't see the patient. So, But my certainly my impression is that the hydrocortisone is not strong enough to deal with psoriasis. Right. Now, what should patients be thinking about as they go to the primary care physician, or maybe they go to the dermatologist? And let's be realistic, and correct me if you disagree, most have tried something at home to begin with. And because it's psoriasis, it reoccurs, there are flare-ups, it progresses to other parts of the body. What needs to be that dialogue with physicians? Because even Ingrid will say, and she's very well-educated, you know what? She didn't always take her medicines. She didn't always realize how serious this condition is in terms of impacting other organs and other parts of the body. So where's the breakdown that's going on in terms of the physician-patient relationship? Yeah. So I try to be precise because of my nerdy scientific background. Mm -hmm. And we say patients, you know, have all tried something at home before they come see us. What does that mean they tried it? Does that mean they put it on regularly twice a day for two, three weeks to see how well it worked? Probably not. My research has been on patients' adherence to treatment, where we put computer chips in the caps of the containers that would record the day and time people open and close the bottles. And we find that patients will say in their treatment diaries that they use the stuff twice a day, and the computer chips say they didn't open the bottle. Hmm. People want to please the doctor. (laughs) Everybody wants to be a good student. Yes. People floss their teeth right before they go to the dentist. Mm -hmm. I think this is the biggest reason patients don't use their medicines is that doctors tell people, here's a prescription. Use this every day. I'll see you back in eight to 12 weeks. You know, if a piano teacher said, here's your sheet music, Mm -hmm. uh, we won't have weekly lessons. I'll see you at the recital in eight to 12 weeks. You just practice every day. Nobody would expect anybody to practice. Doctors are actually worse than that. Doctors are like a piano teacher who says, Here's a prescription for some sheet music. Take it to the sheet music (laughs) store. I have no idea what this is going to cost or whether your insurance company is going to pay for it or how much paperwork it's going to take. But I want you to fill this prescription for this sheet music. I want you to practice this sheet music every day. Now, you should know that practicing may cause rashes, diarrhea, possibly a serious infection. We're not going to have weekly lessons. I'll just see at the recital in two to three months. And if the recital doesn't sound good... I'll give you a second, maybe a third musical instrument to practice at the same time. And we doctors are scratching our heads wondering why patients aren't using the medicine. But Ingrid's one of the good folks who says, I'm not doing it. So the bottom line answer to your question is, I want patients to tell me what is reasonable for them. Okay. I think there's two kinds of psoriasis. A mild form, we have few enough spots where you can reasonably put topicals on, mm-hmm. and an extensive form where you can't reasonably put topicals on, you're going to need to use some kind of internal medicine or total body ultraviolet light treatment. And um, I need the patient to tell me if they can put topicals on all the spots. I may go, yeah, you could put topicals on all the spots when that particular patient won't do it. What does it take to get patients to clear skin? Here they have, you know, plaque psoriasis. It can cover large areas of the body. Well, if you have a relatively limited case of psoriasis, for example, scalp psoriasis, Mm -hmm. and you put the clobetazole solution on your scalp with the help of a friend to make sure it gets down on the scalp and doesn't just end up on the hair, because 
Well, Dr. White, I see you have a lot of hair. It'd be really hard for you to get it on your scalp. But if you did, if you get it twice a day, in three days, you see dramatic improvement in the psoriasis. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're covered with psoriasis, topical therapy is not reasonable. No. With um, an injection, once every two or three months, you have like a, I don't know, 50% chance of being completely clear and uh, probably a 90% chance of being nearly completely clear. What's the biggest misconception about psoriasis? Biggest misconceptions about psoriasis, my guess, among the lay audience of people who don't have psoriasis, the biggest misconception is that it might be a contagious condition. And it may be we're genetically programmed when we see skin lesions to avoid people because you know, a thousand years ago or 10,000 years ago, maybe it was a sign of leprosy. So, you know, when, when people with bad psoriasis try to go to the swimming pool, they are not contagious, but, mm -hmm. you know, you could see why somebody might not know mm -hmm. and, and have misconceptions about it. Plaque psoriasis, a chronic disease, is that how you'd categorize it? Because Ingrid actually said a misconception to some degrees that it's cured. And, but what she meant is it reoccurs, right? It comes back. You can put it in remission, but is it like hypertension? Is it like high cholesterol? We like to tell patients it's like diabetes hmm. and that, you know, when we give them a medicine and clears it up, don't expect that you can stop the medicine any more than a diabetic could stop their insulin. What's their reaction to that? Because if you don't see something, you're thinking, huh, why do I have to still take medicine? Yeah, well, I think... Um, Patients want to know whether they really need When you clear them up, they're like, well, do I need to keep taking it? Right. And I tell them, yeah, you probably need to keep taking it. You know what they do? They play games with it. They spread out the doses. They may stop for a while. But this is our job, though, as physicians, as prescribers, to explain to patients in easy ways that they can understand why it's so important to continue to take medication, even when they have clearance. Yeah, education may be important, but I think we overestimate its importance. And I think when we think if we give patients education and if we give it to them in writing, they will do what they're supposed to do. I think to get people to use their medicine well, we have to be trustworthy. We have, even more important, we have to appear trustworthy because whether we are trustworthy or not, doesn't impact patients' behavior. What impacts their behavior is whether we appear trustworthy to them. Right. That and creating a sense of accountability in patients, I think, is the foundation of getting people to use their medicine. And then we have to get them in the habit of doing it. Without that habit, I think all hope is lost. Right. I think education is actually peripheral to the, some of these other issues hmm. for getting people to use their medicine well. But it's also reminding them and helping explain to them how different medications work, right? So even as we talk about topicals and injectables and you know infusions, whatever it may be, even when we're talking about topicals, they're all not steroids either, right? So we also have to explain that if you don't respond to one type of topical, you might respond to a different type because we're talking about the mechanism of the disease. Dr. Feldman, what's your message to listeners who have been diagnosed with plaque psoriasis or are struggling with plaque psoriasis in terms of getting that clear skin that you referenced that many patients now do get? What's the message? 
know that there are fabulous treatments available. If you went to a dermatologist years ago and was frustrated because there wasn't any option you really liked, you may want to go back. Second, before you go back, go visit the psoriasis.org, the National Psoriasis Foundation website, mm-hmm. and educate yourself about the options so that you have a sense of, of what things you might want to consider, and then, and then see a dermatologist. Well, Dr. Feldman, thank you for taking the time. Uh, you say you're kind of nerdy and sciencey, but you, you really helped explain it for our listeners. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. A big thank you to Ingrid and Dr. Feldman for being part of our show today and to all of you for listening to Spotlight On. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you. We have a great show today, but first, take a second to make sure you've subscribed to our show wherever you're listening to podcasts. It's the best way to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks. Please take a moment to follow, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.